0: Struggling to find joy in your cooking? Tune in for today's show. We're going to sort that out. If all the birds could fly right now As high as me somehow They could see all the things I've been dreaming of These wings of mine flutter inside They shimmy and they glide Breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 304, and I have the wonderful Alice Saslavski joining me on the show who has just brought out a new book called The Joy of Better Cooking. Uh, now, you guys know how passionate I am about helping grow your vocab for cooking so that you don't find cooking in the kitchen so daunting. Uh, and um so negative. A lot of people have a negativity around cooking, but it often stems from not having the skills or the confidence in the kitchen to make it – easy. And um, there's this French word, abordable, so abortable, like literally I can face this, I can deal with it. And uh, and I think uh, after today's show, you are going to be excited to get into the kitchen. You're going to hear our infectious joy for cooking. And even though we also admit to take away and eating out, just as regular humans do. Uh, There are things that are going to help you be more resourceful in terms of your mindset around what you can do to morph things into something different on the next day, uh, as well as uses for utensils, one of which, frankly, blew my mind. So uh, Alice, in the space of a decade, has gone from being a high school humanities and English teacher To one of the country, one of Australia's most authoritative and exciting media stars and tastemakers, she has an internationally award-winning best-selling cookbook um, in praise of veg. I know many of you guys have that book. It's fabulous. Um, Regular national TV and and radio appearances, a food column, uh, so many wonderful things that Alice is doing. I frankly have no idea how she fits it all in. She's also Yoda Molengi's Maleng- choice of conversation partner for his Australian tour, and Nigella Lawson calls her a force of nature. So if you haven't come across Alice's work before, I do urge you to pick up one of Alice's books. Uh, certainly, The Joy of Cooking, if that's where your current struggle is and you're thinking, you know what, I actually need to know more about how to cook and all the little tips and tricks uh, to find it joyful, then I think this new book is going to be especially important for you and a real turning point uh, for many, many people around the world. So, uh, before I hook into that conversation, I'm going to let you know about our wonderful sponsors. We have these fantastic Australian businesses giving you great offers. Uh, and one of them is available for international guests as well. So I'm just going to mention our major sponsor this year is Oz Climate. Uh, we have the news that La Nina is back potentially, very, very high probability this year. If you have not got a dehumidifier yet, please get one. I do not want to get DMs about cleaning mold off, um, uh, books and uh, carpets and you know, grout and clothes and boots. I want you to keep your indoor air humidity below sixty percent. You can get a hygrometer from Bunnings or might attend what Home Depot if you're in the states to check your indoor air humidity. And if it's regularly over sixty percent, you need to bring that down. Close the windows, crank the dehumidifiers, and get that humidity out of your home because. That is what is going to prevent mold. That is the number one way to do it. Obviously, you don't want water damage and you need to rule out water damage, but If you're just dealing with indoor excess humidity because it's raining a lot or you live somewhere humid, a dehumidifier is an incredible asset in your home to protect your things and to protect yourselves from mold growing in your environment. So 10% off with the code LOTOXLIFE uh, and that's available all of 2022. I have Block Blue Light, a wonderful business who offers also free shipping for orders $120 or more internationally, so everyone can make the most of this one. 15% 15% off all of October with the code LotoxLife 15. Uh, and I talked about their incredible um, full spectrum light in last week's show. And this week I just love to mention their red light panels. They're really, really good um, for people who have who do a lot of exercise, um, who have inflammation, who get soreness in their joints, in their muscles, red light therapy is... Fabulous. And what Daniel and the team have done is they've designed and manufactured their own red light device to match lots of popular big brands around the world on wavelength accuracy, intensity, effectiveness in terms of the research, but at a much more affordable price. So the red light panel produces the most beneficial wavelengths of, if you're one of the nerds who likes the details, 660 NM red light and 850 NM near infrared light at high light intensity levels with 200 watts of targeted power. It's an ultra-low EMF device and it's flicker-free. So I I love my red light panel and if I'm a bit sore after tennis, I'll often uh, flick it on and uh, close my eyes and do some deep breathing and lower my heart rate that way as well as having that fantastic therapy to heal my very tired muscles as I play pretending like I'm a 25 year old in a Wimbledon final Uh, the blue light blocking products are fabulous it's not just the red light panel you have light bulbs wonderful day glasses night glasses I'm packing my night glasses Uh, For my trip, I find that that's really helpful when you're on lots of different transport with artificial light. Uh, and you can't control that. What you can control is what your eyes are getting with a good pair of blue light blocking glasses. So go check it out. 15% off uh, and your code is LOTOXLIFE15. And then lastly, if chocolate is your thing, but sugar is not, you need to check out Peak Chocolate, a fantastic Aussie family business that has created a healthy, no sugar range of chocolates. I'd say medium dark. There's still quite a bit of sweetness there from the Uh, multilol that they use uh, and um Especially the rest. So, if you've got a real sweet tooth, uh, their rest chocolate, which has a bit of tryptophan and magnesium, help you wind down and get sleepy after dinner. Um, then that is absolutely going to hit the spot. Um, a little darker in and va- taste. Vibe is the focus and the energy, which are more sort of daytime offerings. So, peak P E A K, as it sounds, is something to help you perform as you want to and should at different points in the day and i urge you to try all three and see which one your favorite ends up being you have 20 percent off your first peak chocolate order with the code lowtox20 over at peakchocolate.com.au that's all i have to share for you this evening uh oh, <laughs> should say today or tomorrow, whenever you're listening to this in the future, I hope this conversation with Alice ignites a passion and a curiosity for you to get in the kitchen with positive, empowered vibes. Enjoy the show. Hello, Alice. How are you
1: doing? Living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you certainly are
0: with this amazing new book that's come out, um, uh, The Joy of Better Cooking. And it's something that as an educator myself and when you're out there, you really realise how many things hold people back from having a great experience. Basics. I, you know, I always jump in. I'm sure you do too. You muck in at a mate's place and then you pull out their knife and cutting a carrot is a gym workout. <laughs> like, guys. No, you cannot continue this way and like miraculously find a way to love cooking. Am I right?
1: You are so right. I think that people really do set limiting beliefs on themselves in every aspect of their lives. But when it comes to the kitchen, uh, sometimes we are our own worst enemies. Uh, Firstly, in what we believe about ourselves and our abilities, but secondly, in what we believe about kitchen tools like knives. People don't sharpen their knives because they think that a blunt knife is going to be safer. You know, It's going to cut me less, but actually it bounces off that carrot. And slices your finger. So my recommendation just as as you've said is Um, having the right tools for the job will make your experience of cooking so much more enjoyable. So, you know, part of the book as well is uh, that's why I've included, you know, gadget spotlights, ingredient spotlights, skills spotlights, all the kind of assumed knowledge that people who are natural cooks have in our arsenal. I don't need you to wait 10,000 hours to have those. Just take mine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think there's natural cooks and then there's passionate cooks. So the people who Maybe they're not naturals, but they're freaking excited about it and they want to go to every cooking class and they want to buy every cookbook and you become a great cook that way. It's um, just like
1: athletes. Mm. Yeah, you know, there there are those people that are going to go to the Olympics, they've got the skill and the will. And then there are those people who have the skill but no will, and they're just doing it because they have to and it's been drummed into them. And then there are those who have the will, and where there's a will, there's a way. There and I is think enthusiasm, a there's a way. <laughs> and enthusiasm is the number 1 thing that will guarantee your success but also your enjoyment of the process. So, and ultimately, Cooking, just like sport, is about flying hours. So the longer you're out on the court, the better you'll get naturally. So if you've got that enthusiasm that you can fake, you know, you can you can trick yourself into thinking, no, no, this is – in fact, don't even trick yourself. Just tell yourself that every time I get into the kitchen, I get better, and then I'll enjoy it by extension of that.
0: Yeah, that's it. And I remember early on in Lotox life, one of the things I would do was – go to people's houses and, and spend the morning. Like just let's look in your pantry. Let's see what we can rustle up. Cause that's what I found was the trickiest part for people. You can follow a recipe. There's that part. Then there's jumping off the recipe and into your own resources and coming up with something. And I want to ask you, how did you learn that? Like, was it a, a, as a kid, Was it something you did later um, out of revolt for junk food as a kid? You know, a lot of us city kids grow up with the convenience stuff and then go, ew, no thank you, when we're older. What was it like for you growing up and into adulthood, your cooking journey?
1: Uh, My cooking journey was very natural. I think that I, uh, growing up in Georgia, which is part of the former Soviet Union, that's a place of really fertile soils and I grew up in a very sort of foodie family, though there we didn't, call ourselves foodies we just were people that loved food so uh, I was in the kitchen from you know young tot just by necessity we didn't have processed food so everything was made from scratch because there was no alternative in fact there was a level of prestige to a processed you know to a tin of something yeah that's like, oh I know that's that's that nice.
0: from we're Mauritian on mum's side and in Mauritius when you go to the supermarket the craft processed cheese is under lock and key in a cupboard
1: That's it. And so that sort of level of uh, if it's not in the pantry and you can't use it, what else can you do? So my parents both, but my mum especially, is just such a thrifty cook because she grew up having to use make more with less. And in terms of my sort of understanding and love for vegetables, I just never knew that I was supposed to not like them. Because in Georgia, every meal had veg, everything was well seasoned, everything was well spiced. Uh, If you had to describe what Georgian cuisine is, it's on the spice trail and it's got this fertile soil. So you've got the spices of northern India and then you've got the freshness of sort of more of an Asian kind of fresh herbs. So fresh herbs. Lots of spices that you'd sort of tend to find in, say, caries. You find them in salads and in braises. And then you've got lots of cheese as well because there's mountainous regions. So, I mean, all of that put together is why it's uh, kind of growing up, I didn't realise that I wasn't supposed to like vegetables. And then in my career um, over the past sort of decade, I realised that that was a real gift that I was afforded and it was a gift that I could pay forward too. Yeah, beautiful. And
0: in terms of those skills, and then you move out of home and you start living your own life, what are some of the ones that you realised were really powerful compared to then being at a friend's place and them cooking you a meal? and, And I just, I think it's always interesting to see what you notice as a young adult, how you're different to other people.
1: Yeah, it's I think I should say I kind of I think I'm probably over blowing my kind of having, you know, my 20s. What would I say? My 20s, especially my early 20s when I was at uni, there was a lot of experimentation, but that actually started. So what I'll say in year <laughs> eight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's go back to a time Let's when I was 14.
1: Do, okay. Do, do, do. <laughs> I was very, I thought I was so um, experimental and such a cook because I would put chapped potatoes in a bowl in the microwave with a slice of cheese, like craft cheese and some dried chives and microwave that. And that would be my lunch or my afternoon tea, you know, with a bowl of borscht that mum had made on a Sunday. So that was kind of my first dip of the toe. And because processed food was seen as a um an indulgence when we came to australia my parents did start buying kind of you know packet mixes and packet pastas and i remember very strongly a memory of being the one that was in charge of stirring the pasta alfredo you know the, co- the oh continent. my gosh
0: i used to get that too that was my kind of snack i used to put that in the microwave add the
1: milk I thought it was the bee's knees. The bee's knees. And if somebody at that point had said to me, hey, this is not cooking, you should be doing this from scratch, I would have felt so overwhelmed and so out of my depth that I would have stopped.
0: So you still had a learning curve situation. I
1: a, 100%, yeah. 100% I had a learning curve. And more importantly, I just had no one was there to say this is not what you should do and this is not how you should do it. So as a result, it just meant that I had a freedom to just experiment and play. And I had the disasters. So, um, you know, you learn by mistakes just as much as you learn by successes. And I did seek professional help uh, <laughs> in the form of, um, you know, my kind of professional experience or cooking school you know you mentioned some people just really enthusiastically start doing courses my then boyfriend now husband his uh brother was the marketing manager at william anglis which is like our
0: oh yes Mm -hmm. and they were
1: doing this course this chef at home course which was every weekend you got to learn from a michelin star chef every element of the kitchen and because he had this position i got like a sweet deal on the t- on the ticket i was in my sort of early to mid 20s so it was just on the on the tip of what i could afford and that changed my life because not only did i have this grounding um you know walter trapp is his name and he uploaded onto all of our little brains all of the experience that he'd had in these kitchens. And he had su- he's, such a, he's still, he's got a cooking school called Truck Cooking School in Melbourne. And he's just got such an idiosyncratic way of teaching and just being. And it's just, I i can, I remember his voice in my head when I'm making a jus or a, you know, a vichy soise <laughs> or a. Yeah,
0: those teachers that those stay teachers. with you forever. Exactly. So good. Exactly. Mm. And at
1: the end of that course, they were bumping out our course and bumping in. The masterchef auditions in the same building and oh like, wow yes and i um i just had no intention of auditioning but then um that same so nick's brother said um they're looking for people with personality who could cook um and they haven't found who they're looking for and hey if you go on this show like you've already got all this experience so you'll get to meet new chefs you'll get to expand that experience and so I auditioned and you know <laughs> the rest as they say that was over a decade ago yeah so it was you just never know what happens if you just stay in the kitchen <laughs> mhm and
0: and if you do those things that feel scary but brave I love that scary-brave combo. I think it's so important to listen to.
1: You're so right and and listening to the universe because there will be times in your life where you're not quite sure, should I take the path less travelled or etc. And in this instance it was a big risk because um, it was very much leaping off off the edge of a cliff because I didn't know what I was going in for at all. And they really, the, the producers before you go on, they really kind of try and... Um, they can't overstate what a what a big kind of change this might be to your life what a roller coaster of emotion it is they kind of say listen you don't know you can't imagine what this is going to be like you need to be ready for it all that stuff they kind of try and talk you off it talk you off the ledge and then uh, i got a message from um a friend an ex-boyfriend actually and he said hey i've seen these ads for masterchef auditions you should you should do it
0: Ah, coming at you from all angles that's
1: it so if you get multiple messages saying you are on the right track you follow that track and that day um that i kind of i had to choose between coming to work on monday morning and not having a job and that monday morning i stepped into the master chef kitchen matt moran walked in with salmon on his back and his whole brigade and um i stepped forward and i cooked because i you know, scary, brave, I was yeah, ready.
0: you were ready. Yeah. And what do you think that experience, I mean, it probably taught you so many things, it was scary, brave every day, um, but in terms of cooking and how to cut through to food that people love, that is literally what you have to dial yourself into to 100 every single day in that environment.
1: You do, and what I learned is that if you cook uh, there's a very big difference between cooking out of fear and cooking out of love and when you're cooking in that kitchen it's very hard to to be cooking out of love but when you're cooking in your home it's much easier because you've got the people that you love in mind and um, and you can taste when food you know it sounds so cheesy doesn't it oh you can taste the love but you can because there's an there's something about the time that you take and the tasting as you go and just the intention behind it. When I was a restaurant critic for a hot minute, I could taste <laughs> when a chef was done with their job. You wow, know?
0: Wow, yeah. Because the food
1: just had this element of, there was just no care. Going
0: through the motions.
1: Going through the motions. Yeah. And so again, thinking about kind of that ephemeral, um, not entirely, you know, you can't put your finger on it, but you know that it's there, you can teach yourself to love the kitchen because you already love the people that you're cooking for.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's so interesting that you say that about being a restaurant critic. I, I think I guess in normal person terms, never been a restaurant critic um, but have worked in hospitality for many years in the past and and still do in some capacity. Um, it's absolutely true what you say. There's going through the motions food And there's infused with love food and you can always feel that and it just gives you the warm and fuzzies and often those will be the places where the culture is so good because of that passion for product that it's infused through the wait staff and even the runner and the host, everybody.
1: That's it. And I'll go back to a place. If the front of house is good, I'll go back to a place and give it another chance because maybe the chef wasn't having a good day. But if the service staff are happy, then chances are that it's a happy place to be.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right. Oh, I love that. Um, (laughs) Okay. So we're not getting other people to cook for us, though. We are going to be cooking ourselves. So bringing it back to the subject at hand. And I want to ask you if you could only say five tips let's take them from the book there are so many but I am asking you think about it as a teaser versus actually having to choose your favorite five children cooking tips okay great
1: great and you're right so every recipe you know in fact when I first started writing this book I wanted to do a hundred recipes and my publisher our shared publisher Jane called me and said Alice if you (laughs) do 100 recipes, this is going to be another blowout like in Praise of Veg. So you need to either write less or have less recipes in this book. And so you know what I chose. I I chose to have less recipes but more stuff. So they've given me bonus pages which are kind of lilac coloured and that's where all the tips go and there are are hundreds of those. So I'm going to choose five as a teaser. Number one.
0: I'm just holding it up because it's so pretty.
1: It's so pretty (laughs) and it's so tactile and it's just – Ah,
0: Gorgeous.
1: Um, so number one is get yourself a salad spinner. <laughs> so um, in terms of gadget spotlights, that's my one non-negotiable in every kitchen. It's the first thing that I that I buy. You know, if we're in a new place, um, you know, we've got a little tiny little flat in town now because we live on the Mornington Peninsula. But in town, the first thing that I got was a salad spinner. The reason why is multifold. So number one is because it'll encourage you to eat more green stuff. Just if the leaves are clean, you'll eat the leaves. (laughs) Number two, you soak the leaves first and via reverse osmosis, they absorb. That's the the tip, you know, in terms of restaurant leaves, why why are the salads that you pay $15 for in a fancy place so good? It's because they have refreshed those leaves until they're really juicy and crunchy. Again, you can do that in the salad spinner. And finally, once you've drained and spun, your dressing will stick better to dry leaves than it will to sort of mildly damp ones. So it just means that every leaf gets beautifully coated in dressing and you're going to eat more salad. Everybody at the table is going to be like, oh, what did you do with this salad? It's just, that is a really easy win. Um, You know, get the one that's got silicon feet, uh, get a nice big one, bigger than you think, as big as it can fit in your kitchen and you'll use it every day and you don't just use it for your for your lettuce you can use it for i use it for my leeks so once i slice my leeks up i put it in that and all of the grit from between Mm, layers great
0: tip bok choy would be a good one too exactly and all of your
1: herbs as well
0: i've never thought to put bok choy in my salad spinner thank you
1: you are so very (sighs) welcome see that's it and that's what i love about food game changer because i'm every time that i talk to a cook i learn something new so you know Alex Stewart, if you can learn new stuff and be excited about it, that's that's why we're in this game, right? We're always learning. Okay, number two, um, it would be uh, probably seasoning. Uh, salt flakes have some salt flakes in your kitchen. I like the pink ones. So if you're in Australia, the Murray River salt flakes are a delight. Um, coarse, you know, coarse salt in a salt grinder. Shake for- a grinder, yeah. Yeah. It's okay, but the thing that you get with a salt flake, and I learned this from Samin Nosrat's book, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, is surface area on your tongue. And so the way that you want to experience salt, what that does to your food is that it completely changes the flavor. It It gives you a sensation of a creaminess and a sweetness. It kind of creates that light and shade. It's like turning on a light in a dark room. So if your food is missing something, and particularly with vegetables, um, one of the things that people do is they're eating veg because they think that it's good for them and ergo, oh, I'd better cut down on my sodium oh so goodness. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to mm. season it. Uh, so no, no, no. If you no. want to eat more veg and if you want to enjoy it, season it properly.
0: Absolutely. Okay. And uh, if you need to, to explore sodium, read The Mineral Fix It's a fantastic book that will make you far less afraid of salty things.
1: Amazing. But, you know, what I will say is that it's taken me years and years to swap out my dad's table salt because that stuff is just, it's full of, it just doesn't taste right.
0: No, um, it really does not. It
1: really doesn't, you know. So live a low-tox life Mm. (laughs) and Mm. swap out your salt for the good stuff. Yeah. If it has to be, if you prefer a fine salt, pink, you know, the Himalayan or, uh, a, or, a, um, the gray, fine know, Celtic sea salt, whatever yeah. it is. Exactly. So, uh, that's two, three. I'm just thinking, I think I'm getting my, myself in a tease because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm overwhelmed, um, <laughs> by choice. Okay. I'm looking
0: through thinking, what the heck is she going to pick?
1: That's it. What's she going to pick? <laughs> um, so the same goes for oil. Um,
0: mm-hmm. if
1: you've got olive oil, um, We are so lucky in Australia to have beautiful quality olive oils. I have one oil for cooking and one oil for finishing.
0: And how do those differ?
1: They are, (laughs) one is cheaper. So the (laughs) one for cooking I buy from the supermarket Mm -hmm. in a drum and I decant it into a dark bottle. And that is what I use to, you know, um, toss my veg through or um, even just as the... um, the the base of a dressing because it's not too strong in flavor. And then the other oil, which I buy, I don't buy a big bottle of that because you want to go through it quickly. Um, Oil is a natural product. It's a fruit, so olive oil. So it does go rancid. So, um, you know, a smallish investment bottle. You serve it up, you finish the dish with it, with a drizz. Lovely. Yeah. And, And that gives it... Um, whether the oil is fruity or grassy or bit or it has that kind of like uh, bitterness, which I, I find is just I love bitterness. Yeah, that those darker flavors. green
0: ones. Oof. Yeah, delish.
1: Oof. Not to mention the color. Exactly. And it just it finishes the dish. So that's three um four oh my goodness okay so there's a whole section in here called seriously good sweeties and they are seriously good sweeties there's some really really fantastic bakes because i am i would say i'm not a natural baker Uh, following recipes is not my favorite thing to do so if it's going to be something that i make for sweets it's got to be worth it so these are seriously good but my tip to you is when in doubt especially if you're entertaining just get some really great in-season fruit (laughs) And serve that as your sweetie. You don't have to overthink it, particularly if you've already cooked the entree and the main. You don't also have to make the dessert. So um, head to your local green grocery or your market and just say, you know, what's at its peak right now and serve it up on a platter, whether it's cherries, whether it's stone fruit, um, whether it's a watermelon or or a cantaloupe, whatever that fruit is. And if you do want to kind of zhuzh it up, um, you know, Danny Vallant, who's a dear friend of mine, she's got this great –
0: Oh, I know Danny. Yeah, she's yeah. a delight. So mm. she's got a,
1: like a makrut lime and Sichuan um, crumb or crust. Mm-hmm. So you can sprinkle that on top of
0: – And that's something like, you can make the day before. Make so it the it's day before. Very on, unstressful. On
1: pineapple, exactly. It's the sort of thing that you'd get at a street food vendor in, in Vietnam or in Thailand. So you just mm. sort of like dip that delicious or sprinkle sprinkle your fruit with that. So that's another little tip, tip-a-do. Um, And finally, because this is the Low Tox Life podcast, (laughs) know what water you're using. So we've got, you know, we use filtered water. I use filtered water when I cook. Um, That's the base. If I don't have a stock, I'm at the very least using that filtered water. And the reason why mostly is because of the flavor. Tap water is just... tastes really chlorinated or just does it, it's a hard water so it's actually going to detract from the flavor of all that other stuff that you're putting into your broth or into your um, soft, anything soup, even when what you cook everything.
0: your pasta in yeah. yeah i mean
1: i probably I, I probably would i would draw the line at cooking your pasta oh, do you I, i'm <laughs> there
0: <laughs> waiting ex- for
1: the jug yeah, wow <laughs> put it back in that's extreme very patient yeah i'm totally that. extreme Fair <laughs> cool. that's fine <laughs> um, but people are on a spectrum, right? They're on yeah, a spectrum of ability, it. and they're on a spectrum of patience too. Mm, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on the lower end of patience, yeah, and towards the middle to high of ability. You know, yeah, <laughs> over yeah. the years, I think I'm getting better, but but I am. I'm definitely an impatient cook, and I'm always seeking a shortcut. So just like in Praise of Edge, this book is laden with, hey, if you don't have the time, you can always do it quicker. Like, love
0: this. that, and I love that you pepper the whole book with those. This is your shortcut if you need it. Because I think for a lot of people, the motivator to get in the kitchen more or or the lack of motivation to get in the kitchen more rather is the time constraint of the busy modern life.
1: hundred percent. Yes. And, um, and you're right. So it's time and it's skill and it's also access. So that's why I, my job is to remove as many of those barriers as possible. So when it comes to access, it's all about substitutions. If you don't have this, use that. When it comes to skill, it's all about the bonus pages. So, Hey, you, might not know what caramelization means, but if you've got the time, like give, it a, give this a read and then you'll know what caramelization is forever. And if you don't have the time, then here's a shortcut way of doing this quicker. And I think all of that comes from my background as a teacher because so much of what we do in the classroom is work out what the abilities of each student is, what the levers are to encourage them to be their best self and learn the most, and what the key learning is that we want to leave them with, with each lesson. So, you know, and most importantly, teachers have a growth mindset. So, um, you know, you can do it is my motto at all times. (laughs) Yeah,
0: me too. And I've always taught and trained, um, not as a teacher, teacher, but in cosmetics, in hospitality, it was always teaching and training. And I think that really is quite helpful in this space where so many people have a void of cooking skills as they leave home and start to um, build their own lives, Uh, especially 80s, 90s city kids. Unless you had a strong culture at home, you had the luck of that. Um, I had a little bit with the French side of mum, but like you mentioned with Georgia and processed foods being aspirational, when mum moved to London in the late sixties, it was very exciting to head into the seventies, women in the workforce, everything, you know, the convenience being dialed up, women don't have to cook, you know, and like, what a fantastic story for a woman in the seventies to buy into, but it's it's unfortunately eroded a lot of cooking skills in theirs and the next generations.
1: It has. And I've just read an amazing book that happens to be right next to me, Alex, because oh, I need to tell show you about me. it. Mm-hmm. This is talk about. This is from the, the – um, it's based on – somebody on Instagram told me about it. So it's called Lessons in Chemistry. Ooh. Uh, and annoyingly Zoom is blocked. Yeah. So Lessons in Chemistry. And it's about a TV chef from the 60s who's a chemist and it just talks about um, she's breaking down the skills of what it means to cook in the kitchen. I just finished it yesterday. I love it so much. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, I need a new book, do yourself a favor and read it. Cause it's, it's all about that. Exactly. The shift of, um, of women going from the home into the workplace and trying to find the balance and actually then finding that there's something to be said for um, the alchemy of being a cook that you can get another sense of achievement there in the kitchen, just as much as you can in in the workplace, small wins every day. And there's something particularly, um, and it's not, it's not gendered. Um, but I, I will say that there's something that I feel like a red thread that I feel through my, um, a maternal line of being the half of the home and of, of, of being the one that kind of like passes that on. And I'm doing the same for my daughter, you know, it's amazing. Like my husband's a fantastic cook, um, but I relegate him to the washing up because just, <laughs> <laughs> I just have That's too much That's pretty fun. much
0: how it is on this side too. <laughs>
1: awesome. It's got to be, you know, it's a yin-yang situation.
0: Plus I just don't like washing up.
1: Neither so it works. It's, 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 it's I, I, remember, I actually um, I, I do a segment every week with um, Christine Layton on ABC Radio Perth, and um, when I mentioned that Nick does the washing up, she said, "How did you manage that?" And I said, "I have two words for you: learned helplessness." Mm. <laughs> So, uh, how do you use this brush again? <laughs> like, I'm never going to write a how to clean how to clean your kitchen book. Let's just the yeah, joy no. the joy of better cleaning. Somebody else needs to write that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not going to be one of mine either. No, no. <laughs>
1: um,
0: okay, so we've talked about some of those key things that you wanted to lift out of the book and, and mention, but I definitely want to unpack that. Um, that time piece a little bit more for people and also then move on into money, cost of living rising. I mean, who hasn't seen their produce, even going direct to farmer, the trucks are costing them more. So they're having to pass on high prices. So I wouldn't mind also talking about saving uh, and cooking, which of course then speaks to waste. But one more question on time. Uh, how do you structure your week to always be able to cook? Because you've got radio shows, you're writing books, you've got a kid. There's like, there's a lot of moving parts. And so, yes, you have the natural ability to just pull it out of your head now because you're that experienced, but you still have to do it. So what are your, what's your plan for executing without stress? Is there one or are you a bit of a fly by the seat of your pants, girl?
1: I'm a bit of a flyer um but what i will say is that we do a few things to set ourselves up for success for example we do have a vegetable box that we subscribe to and that does kind of motivate me to have to move through the stock right so then i say okay well i've got bok choy left in them you know it's looking a little bit wilty so that's what's going to happen tonight um but what i also do is i lean into leftovers and i lean into making more than i need so that then the next night it's still good, and if I'm already in the kitchen, like for example, last night I did a chicken soup with a whole bunch of different green stuff. You know, I was lying in bed last night thinking about this soup, and I thought there are ten different vegetables in that soup. <laughs> I couldn't go to sleep. I was, just, it was, so, it was so stupid. <laughs> Just like daggy confessions of someone who loves to cook. Welcome to my brain. Uh, But while (laughs) that soup was simmering away, I got onto the lasagna, which I know is going to be tonight's dinner. So I'm already in the kitchen. Why not double down and do something else as well? Uh, And then it's about the leftover makeovers. So, for example, Oh, last, night, last week was a classic example of this. So it was a news breakfast week. So I had a whole bunch of broad beans that I set the whole family onto potting, or potting away. And then some of those broad beans went to a broad bean smash. Some of those broad beans went to a watercress and broad bean salad. There were leftovers. So some of that broad bean smash turned into a... Um, What did I do with it? I turned it into more of a, that went on toast. It went as a dippy situation. uh, And then I still had leftovers. So I blitzed some of the smash with some of the leftover watercress and turned it into like a pesto, like a watercress pesto. And that went through a pasta, that went through a soup. uh, And again, because of that kind of, it's there. So you're right, waste is always top of mind. How do I make make more with less? So I used it all up. Um, So sometimes it's a matter of, I guess, again, it comes with experience, but also it comes with play because I'd never seen a watercress pesto before. And I thought, is this going to work? So I tasted it and I thought, okay, yeah, it's got a bit of a rocket vibe. And I've tasted rocket pesto. So sure, I'll give it a whirl. And I whirled it up and next minute, it was great. So tip number one is uh, set yourself up with success. Have a pantry full of dry store that's really useful. So things like, you know, dried beans and legumes as well as pasta, um, tinned tomatoes I've always got and get the cherry tomatoes if you can because they're sweeter and they just make you feel like you're eating fresh tomatoes even in the middle of winter. Uh, Passata. And I've already mentioned the oil and the salt and the rest of it is really up to what the way that you like to eat. So that's very Mediterranean diet-esque, um, you know, and if you if you are more of a, if you prefer a, sort of a Southeast Asian cuisine or a, or a subcontinental, then you might have spicing, you might have coconut milk and coconut cream as well. Um, and then you've got the muckroot lime leaves, which, which can stay forever. You know, either you get them fresh and you put them in your freezer, um, again, hard herbs lime, thyme, rosemary, all of that can live in your, in your freezer, curry leaves, freezer. And then you can just, it buys you time as well, buys you time, Mm. buys you time. Yeah. And it doesn't end up being like pushed further and further back. And then,
0: Ooh, I don't think I can use that anymore.
1: Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So it's almost like every time that you use something like that, you know, give you, do give yourself a pat on the back. Do lean into the smugness of feeling like, huh, I am a thrifty. Yeah, in in, You know, intuitive, innovative cook. Yeah. And I think,
0: you know, I remember when I was bartending and people would watch me make like 10 different cocktails at once for three different groups of people and they'd be like, how can you do that? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure if I came to your accounting office and watched you run through spreadsheets, I would be absolutely amazed and think how can she do that? And it really is just upskilling. It's deciding you want to do it, that you'd be quite keen to get better at that, and then to resource resource yourself with the things that are going to get you there.
1: Exactly. Whatever it is you put your mind to, you get better at. So whether that is um, knowing the number for every takeaway in the neighbourhood or if you (laughs) set that same mindset to knowing what it is that's in your pantry. And I tell you what, you will save money, but you'll also save time. You will. Because at first it may seem like oh okay well um you know it's only 20 30 minutes for me to order it and get it in my house but it's also only 15 minutes for you to make a pesto spaghetti or you know or use up that thing in the back of your freezer and yes use your freezer portion stuff up um get smug about it get smug do you batch cook is that something that's part of your yeah i
0: love batch cooking oh gosh um when especially in winter. I find winter much easier for batch cooking. So I'll get uh, like a red meaty casserole on in one corner. Then I'll do um, a, like a beanie Mediterranean type thing with olives in one corner. And then I'll get a chicken soup on and then those three big pots will go in the fridge and then they'll become lots of different things over the week. Um, especially when it's busy. Like if I look at the diary and I think this week is a shit fight, so uh, we need to be organised. Um, if you get those three things ready on a Sunday, then it's, it's it. You just never get home going, oh, God, what what are we going to do for dinner? And that onion chop, that psychological hurdle of the first onion chop,
1: doesn't even need to happen because you did it on Sunday. And you can chop and sweat the onions and portion those out and freeze them flat and then you've got the onion chop again because actually it is, it's about making that first step and then you're already halfway there and, and it is, it's a hurdle to get over and I remember my mum was exactly the same, that's where we we had that big pot of borscht or she'd make a big casserole on a you know, um, you know chuckle billy which is like a chicken stew on a Sunday and that would be our dinner for the week because yeah, they were both working, both very busy uh, but it was done and... I'm just, I'm reflecting on how that shit fight of a week, like that's every week. I've got a three and a half year old and I'm balancing every plate under the sun, which is why it's so important to me that I share that I'm still cooking because people go like, how do you do it all? And it's like, because it's, that is life. Like (laughs) how you do it all is because one night it's this, the next night it's that. Uh, and, and it's actually, it saves me time and it means that I get to spend more time with my family. So I don't know, Uh, you'll, you know, when it's a real shit fight week, when I don't share my dinner because I've probably cooked it, but I haven't had enough time to snap it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Nice. And you know, I think also like how often would you guys eat out? For example,
1: maybe as a family, as a family, I would say, or you
0: just grabbing a bite with a girlfriend, like what kind of.
1: Once or twice a week, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, there you go. yeah, totally. Yeah, and um, and when we do, it's probably out of convenience, and it's probably the same sort of place that um, I would, I already know it's good, and I already know who's there, and it's mm. just like a oh hello, it's, it feels still feels like neighborhoody. Yeah, I don't want to risk. Yeah, I don't want to risk going out for something bad. But having said that, I'm part of a club. Um, I'm part of a road trip club with with some food editors, current and past. Um who go around to restaurants maybe every kind of month or month and a half, and that's us, just five of us eating pl- at places that we've heard are good. And it, that's really fun. And then every now and then I get to do something um, out of the ordinary. So Danny and I are going to Mildura tomorrow. Oh, amazing. have got to review some places, so I'm her plus one. So nice. It, it's nice to be able to dip back into that restaurant culture without having to feel like, I'm, you know, I've got a deadline breathing down my, my neck. Yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. I, yeah. And that was the biggest luxury, I should say, for from moving from writing about other people's food to my own is getting back into the kitchen and cooking your own food. Like that is a luxury because all you want to eat if you're eating all of that outside sometimes food is like steamed fish and yeah. vegetables
0: <laughs> yeah like coming back from a business trip and just yes. that first simple chicken soup at home is like
1: yes a thank hundred you 100 yeah
0: yeah and I think it's it's funny isn't it like we the romance and excitement and bright lights of someone else cooking your food um you know teenagers going out in groups and and food courts but coming home to mum's cooking um, or dad's cooking, is just there's something about it that nothing can fill the void the way that food can, even though you go out searching for everything else. Mm. Um. Okay, so in terms of money saving, I-, I love that you've alluded to this already. When you actually start to cook for yourself and start to go with the I'm not going to waste that, I'm going to repurpose that mindset, um you end up naturally saving a lot of cash uh that way do you, you have actually some really great tips in the book um in the waste chapter do you want to share a couple
1: sure um it depends so if you're a grower if you're the sort of person that's got a little garden of your own and you're glutting there'll be there might be something like gl- a glut of zucchini uh, and then more zucchini than you know what to do with so understanding the um, structure and the behavior of a vegetable or of an ingredient really helps you get the most out of it the same with oats uh, you know you buy a big bag of oats bulk buying things you know work, going to a bulk whole food store is a great way of using up um, or, or getting bang for buck
0: and you mentioned um, you keep um, the hard herbs in the freezer do you keep oh, yes. things like oats nuts all of those sorts of things in fridge and freezer as well
1: Nuts in fridge, um, mm. I know that you can nut in freezer. Oats, no, but that would be sensible. So mm. I will do that from now on. Thank you, Alice. It's a good
0: pantry moth <laughs> That's tip. great. You never oh. get pantry moths if you keep pantry your flowers and oats in the, in the fridge.
1: Yes, flowers definitely, mm. uh, particularly because I've got uh, – We're half and half gluten, non gluten family. Mm -hmm. So the the flowers, the the glutinous flowers live in the fridge because I use them less.
0: Mm. So if
1: you know that you're not going to use it for a while, yeah, definitely fridge it. If you've got the fridge space. Yeah, that's Um, it. Yeah. We've got
0: like a little steel tray that we just have everything in and it's very messy and not pretty, but it, it works. Genius. Mm.
1: And, and then also I think um, recognising that you don't have to, That's a real natural kind of instinct to buy in bulk because you think that you're going to save money. But if you're only going to use a little bit.
0: Absolutely.
1: Then know mm. that you could probably return and buy more of it later and that's okay too.
0: Yeah, that's it. We think we're saving ourselves time and money often. Yeah, it might be a time saver in a way, but no, because you had to go and buy it again because it was off. So actually, no. No. Yeah. And, and
1: I'm a, I'm such a sucker for a glut, a vegetable or a fruit glut. That's from my dad. You know, he would buy a tray of mangoes before uh, he bought yep. one mango. Uh-huh. So then I've had to learn how to use up that tray because it's already in the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, do you have a
0: dehydrator or do you do other things? Just that, so, go nuts with the fresh stuff?
1: They have a dehydrator. What I tend to do, depending on what it is, like if it's a fruit, like a mango, I'm gonna scoop out the flesh and pop it in the freezer and that's gonna become sorbet, the quickest and easiest sorbet ever. And the same goes with berries. If you buy lots of berries in bulk, freeze them flat, the same way that they would in, um, you know, in a commercial kind of way. You're not snap freezing, but it's as close to, and then portion it out or, or then have it in your bags. It's much easier to scoop out. Um, and yeah, if we had the room, I, I might get a dehydrator, but Mum and Dad have a dehydrator, so if I need to use it, I can. Um, yeah. So, what do you? What do you like to do with your gluts? Yes, yeah, this is, this is a knowledge gluts. exchange. I tend
0: <laughs> to go with if there's a celebration, there's an opportunity for the glut factor. So I'll be driving down, and it'll be Christmas weekend, and the fig place on the figs, mangoes, and whatever's on the highway that would be the time that I would pull over and grab a couple of things because I know there's going to be enough people. But the other thing is chutney gifts. That's my go-to if I'm like, okay, you were very optimistic being able to use this much peach. I know you love them. I know it's summer. That's exciting. But now they're just about to go feral. So it'll be a chutney chutnathon.
1: Chut the <laughs> So good. So good. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for stone fruit season.
0: I know. It feels oh. like it's been a really long time this year as well.
1: Oh, it's been mm. a funny old season for, for all all fresh produce. Well, and um, our
0: farmers, have, if you're oh. listening and you're an Aussie, you know how much rain we've had on the east and it's been an absolute shocker for anything leafy and, um, yeah, really tough.
1: It has. And to answer your cost of living question, mm. um, I was having a conversation actually with a gentleman from uh, California. You might have seen Richard Christensen who's got mm. Flamingo Estate. Yes. Holy shiitake. So this mm-hmm. is a guy that was a creative director of a huge luxury advertising firm that was advertising Hermes, Chanel, you know, Calvin Klein. And he's put that same kind of uh, philosophy to fresh produce. And um, – ultimately my answer is that put your money there you know invest in that stuff we can't expect our growers to keep cutting prices on fresh produce because they will not be able to afford their costs of living and then they will not be able to grow our food so so we do you know we can't we can't keep thinking how can I pay less for this avocado I mean avocados for a while there were the only thing that was Cost-effective,
0: yeah, is just the it's wildest.
1: true. I know the great irony. Uh, the great ar- irony. So, um, what I would say is the flexitarian model works really well. So, at the very least, one less m- meat-based meal a week, because that's going to cost you. That's going to, um, yeah, it's going to cost you less you know, by by at least sort of 20, 30%, that's a good way of saving money that then you can reinvest back into buying higher quality fresh produce. One thing that I will say, if you're buying discounted fresh prod is you have to use it really quickly. So you might think that you're saving money because you're buying the bruised peaches, but you need to use those peaches right away because otherwise they're gonna end up in the compost. So it's kind of, um, you know, we pay more for our veg box because I know that even though Something like, for example, watercress, you would think that that's that's gone within a day or so. We had the watercress still five days later. It was still good. It's know how to buy it, know how to store it. Especially if you use the salad spinner. Use that salad, uh, you know, (laughs) I have to say. So watercress, because it is uh, because they grow it in water, if you store it in water overnight, it actually reanimates more and you get the juiciest watercress ever. So, you know. Learnings. I'm excited
0: about broadening Every, my scope of the salad learnings. spinner. Yeah, yeah so I'm good. excited
1: for you. You've got a salad mm. spinner, surely. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Are you going to use it? You're going to use it across more veg and more yeah. stuff. I love it. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. Even berries, you could you could kind of rehydrate Ooh. in that. But I wouldn't be spinning raspberries in that.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've had a flu recently, so my cough sounds like a back a day smoker. Glad to, but, to um, bring the
1: phlegm back out for you. Yeah,
0: thanks. Um, Yeah, so with that cost of living thing, I I think it's important to also mention um, because I know this from having to go gluten-free for medical reasons like 18 years ago, um, one of my biggest learnings was how much packaged food I was buying and then how much packaged food I all of a sudden could not buy because all packaged food had gluten in it 18 years ago, all of it. It was impossible to avoid. And so it drove me into the arms of produce. And a lot of people in this cost of living heightened awareness, look at your trolley first. If it's if it has the national average of 60% ultra-processed food, that's what you start replacing. Because it's expensive per nutritional buck. It's very expensive. You never get full. You are yeah. never, ever going to get
1: satisfied that's it so taste is nutrition that's what mm. the research is showing so if it tastes good to you and that's not like in an ultra processed salt fat um, yeah but like way, a really
0: tasty blueberry or that's it. crazy that, good salad you're gonna
1: yeah. you're gonna eat less of it and feel satisfied you're exactly right and um and bread is the other thing you know stop buying that ultra processed white bread you're going to pay a little bit more for a sourdough but you slice it up you freeze it and you've got it for a week instead of this stuff that yeah it will last you for a week but it's not bread no
0: <laughs> it's not oh my gosh and even as as recently as 5 years ago there was still the same ingredient that you would find in a yoga mat in your average white bread uh so it's a it's a really wonderful thing to break up with if you need to start somewhere today that bye, is where you, you are That's starting bye bye yeah, yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>
1: okay. So, um, uh, I, yeah. yes, you want to. Oh, sorry. No, to... Well, I was just going to say I've got an appointment, so I think you're wrapping up, aren't you?
0: Yes, I am. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Let's
1: pretend I didn't say anything. Go.
0: Nothing at all. All good. Um, the magic of editing. So, we've learned a lot. I feel like I've picked up a couple of fabulous new tips. Uh, there are obviously a ton more in the book. Um, can I ask you what you've got planned for dinner tonight as my closer?
1: Sure. Uh, so I am hosting this. Will this will date it? But I'm hosting the Premier's Sustainability Awards today tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'll be having an early dinner, and oh, I've still got leftovers of that green sal uh, the green soup. Uh-huh. So last night it was the one still... that you added the bean the, smash the... and watercress no, to. No, 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 no. Okay, no something else. The one else. that I did last night with all the <laughs> ten vegetables. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so got it. Tonight, the one you dreamed about.
1: I did dream about it. So tonight what I'm going to do is I'm going to blitz it. I'm going to use my stick blender and turn it into a cream of green stuff soup and then it feels like a whole new meal and I'm going to be happy as Larry.
0: The wonders of sour cream or cream. Yum. So good. Thank you so much, Alice. You are a bubbling um, voyage of (laughs) enthusiasm for the joy of cooking for everybody. It just always gives someone out there a new take, a new little thing they can pick up. And to have it all neatly in The Joy of Better Cooking in your new book, I think, is gorgeous. So good luck with it. Alex Stewart, thank you. gorgeous to chat.
1: Oh, you too. I hope next time we get to do this in person. Look out. Yes, please. Look out, world. Nice. (laughs) Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at Lotox Life or one word, or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart S T U A R T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life uh, and of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a Lotox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about 29.30 US, about 27 euro and about 25 pounds. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the Explore tab and you'll see join the Low Tox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.